0: yeah at some point he's clearly busy oh no hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on it hey i'm trying to do things yeah uh, he's got things to do he's got I'm
1: uh work- i'm working on stuff so. yeah
0: all right guys welcome to dance robot dance episode 184 because i missed 183 184 <laughs> this is where we are now okay so I'm Paul, I'm coming to you from Seoul, South Korea, and I'm joined by Tim from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, everybody. And my big brother, Mark, from Milton, Ontario. Are you in Milton now?
1: Yeah. I am currently in Milton, but I'm also panicking to make sure that 184 is the right number because I'm not, I don't remember. <laughs> yep, Pretty it's sure sca- it's right. Yep, nope, <laughs> we're good. Sorry. Yep. We're all good. I'm good. Nailed well, it. We-
0: Wait, 184, it says that the it was 184 nope. last week.
2: 183 was last week. I'm looking yeah. at our feed right now. Yeah. Then yeah. why does the
0: Facebook post say 184, guys?
2: Jeez. Oh, that's because I fucked up the Facebook <laughs> post. Oh, which will be edited right now.
1: Not Mark's fault. Not Mark's fault. Not Mark's fault. I'll yeah. take it. I will take it. <laughs> Jesus.
2: If that's the only I... thing I got wrong this after the fucking week I've had, then... Yeah.
1: Yeah, no I'm, kidding. i doing okay. <laughs> hey, at least we all get to be together while democracy dies. So I just yeah. wanted to. While
2: know. democracy dies, while the fucking EU falls apart, while the entire world has a virus, yeah, it's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. So January's finally over, guys. Man, that was a long year. And uh, <laughs> could you remember that at the beginning? At the beginning of this month was the Iran stuff. Do you remember how long that ago that feels? (laughs) Like, holy shit, what's going on? Anyway, my blood does not feel like battery acid right now. Everything is fine and we're all good. (laughs) And we're just going to talk about some, like, I could have chosen a fluffier movie, I guess, to review. But we're, we're not doing that today, I guess. So let's talk about some news. Let's see. Starting with, I guess, Kobe Bryant is
1: dead. For people who are... Which was a really weird thing because, like, we finished recording last week's episode literally, like, 10 minutes before, like, it hit the internet. So, like, Tip and I were just finished talking and then I got a message just as I was kind of getting ready to, like, edit or something like that. And I was like, oh, oh, man, that sucks. Because I watched him. I'm probably the closest thing to a basketball fan on this podcast Mm because I watched him do most of the L.A. stuff. I I was a Shaq guy, as -hmm. Paul will remember. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember. I love my big man in the paint. So when him and Kobe were in LA, I was like, I was a total bandwagon jumper for that team, and like watched all that stuff. And that was just very, very shocking to hear. Like Kobe Bryant's like three years older than me, so
0: yeah, yeah. And it, he died alongside his daughter
2: and uh,
0: I think like seven other people in the, the And yeah, friends
1: rough. and stuff. So it was like I, it, was
0: pretty, it was a rough, rough gig.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna keep my feelings to myself on that one.
0: Yeah. Because, like, Kobe Bryant's more controversial history was just, like, I also wasn't sure if I wanted to bring up or not. Like, you can still you feel bad that you... Yeah, you I, up, I just man, brought it up. So you um, you can, I guess you can have those feelings, like, he was a great sports icon, but also a terrible piece well, of garbage. But maybe yeah. we should, yeah.
1: Him and Shaq hated each other, like, the entire time they were on the Lakers
2: together. Like, well, I'm mostly talking about him raping underage girls, but... Also that, that. Too. also that. <laughs>
1: also a thing that, you know... But you, I don't immediately try to go into, like, fucking the pitchest black shit we can possibly talk about every week, but I'll just <laughs> let you guys go down that rabbit hole if you want to. Yeah, yeah.
2: I just, I, I get so much frustration uh, being sort of more directly immersed in uh, American, uh, like, professional sports. The, the measure to which people will fucking do mental gymnastics to avoid, like their favorite being, you know, problematic and shit like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, and like shit like the, you know, all the NFL, like fucking brain injury stuff and that kind of thing. It's all just, it's, it's really like just capitalism fucking run amok to be honest. And yeah, it really
1: frustrates me Fair. I uh, get your podcasts on Apple music guys. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> podcasts where you get your podcast from Spotify. Also keep those subscriptions coming. Yeah. Woot woot. <laughs> yeah.
0: In lighter news, Marvel's Loki is getting Owen Wilson to join the cast. This doesn't make me want to watch the show at all. Well, I I have like I don't hate Owen Wilson by default. I think that their Owen Wilson is very can be
1: deployed in a way that I find entertaining. I was, it's funny <laughs> that I was just going to say there are, there are ways to effectively deploy an Owen Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you just can't do it willy nilly. I have faith that Tyka It's which which movie is he going in? It's, it's Thor, right? No, he's going to be on the Loki show. Oh, he's on the Loki show. Okay, yeah. I, well, wh- that's why I assumed it was Thor. Okay, then I don't. I have no idea how that's going to work. So okay,
0: because like
1: I liked him in the Royal
0: Tenenbaums, and like Zoolander is a thing that happened that was funny. <laughs> like, I guess most of the time, n- not generally Owen Wilson, but not you know whatever.
1: The best part of that movie is like three seconds. So. Yeah. See like well.
2: I I try and picture like Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson acting across from each other and I can't. It does not work in my fucking brain.
0: Yeah. They kind of like operate in very different acting spheres, I guess. Yeah. Hey, but you know, we don't know. It could be okay. We don't know what kind of role he's in. Like if he's not going to be like if they don't try to f- shoehorn him into a dramatic role of some kind then this could be okay. I guess. But, like, I don't think I needed the Wilson either Wilson brother, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but oh, here we go. Here we are.
2: Here
0: we are. Let's see. What else? Star Trek Picard premiered this
2: week. It did. Mark fucking, like, jerked it off hard last week. I had a good time
1: with the the premiere. I have some problems with it. I think I I mentioned on the episode, but, like, so far, you know?
0: Yeah. But it got, like, the highest ratings on Sci-Fi Canada history, like, which was pretty cool. So people are excited about it. And you can watch the whole first episode on YouTube if you are keen on doing so, if you want to do
2: so. Yeah, which is cool of them to do. I mean, obviously, they're trying to drive traffic to the streaming services, but... Yeah. Because, yeah, in the US, it's on CBS All Access, and it apparently, like, broke CBS All Access's, like, records for streaming, which, to be fair, is, like, fucking (laughs) winning a tricycle race. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think their lot their streaming record was probably something like based on discovery, so yeah, yeah, this would push a lot more people into that service than like, I mean, random Star Trek is going to pull like a certain crowd, right? But like saying Captain back, back yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a much bigger like, hey, we're doing a big fucking thing, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I my first initial impression was that this was Diet Caprica, but you know, <laughs> with higher production values, but it's it's fine. I'm going to watch the second episode. I also have to point out that they, yeah, dead bro walk the first black character on the show. It was murdered. So I just want to, yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. Amazon prime. People are paying attention. We're watching. <laughs> it's okay.
1: Just, prime. Oh yeah. Cause it's, it's distributed by Amazon prime elsewhere. That's right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I forgot. Mm. It is still a CBS. Like, yeah, is it? CBS. Okay.
2: CBS are making it. Yeah. All
0: y'all just watch yourselves. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's see. Marvel Hulu has decided to cancel Howard the Duck and Tigra and Dazzler, which I didn't even know was a thing. Did I I miss something here? I feel like Paul didn't listen to the last episode. Nope, no, he did not listen nope. to last week's <laughs> episode. I, I did it. I didn't have a chance. <laughs> okay. I was going by my, uh, my feed. I guess that was six days ago. I don't know what's going on, guys. It's been a long week.
1: Yeah, no, because we recorded <laughs> last week's episode on Sunday, I believe.
0: Oh, okay. I should have counted yeah.
1: down from a... A different yeah.
0: point then. Okay, well yeah, then. we, re- we cut- recorded.
1: I'll cut all this up. out. <laughs> <Not a problem.
0: laughs> all right, let's see. The, um, did we talk about the new Anaconda movie? I, I feel like we've brought that no. up. Before. That
1: might just be us bullshitting in the chat. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: know. Okay, well, because there's a new Anaconda movie coming out, and I'm kind of... The first one is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I- it's really stupid, but I really like watching it because it's dumb. It's a, so- a very, very
1: early Jennifer Lopez movie. Correct, like that's one of her first, right, like, yeah. yeah, right. That's
0: and it's got Ice movie. Cube
1: in it. You that's know? true. It does have Ice Cube in it, so there is that. There is I that. Don't know, I don't know what the value of that actually is to people, like when, in terms of I'm gonna go watch this movie, but yeah, Ice Cube is in there, so there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so if you like really dumb schlocky monster movies, then hey, this might be for you. I don't know if it's actually gonna be any good, but. They rarely are, and that's kind of part of the fun of it. So, like, best of luck. Yeah. yeah. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: This is the week of news Tim doesn't need. <laughs> yeah.
0: Margot Robbie did an interview to talk about, like, why she decided to do Birds of Prey before Gotham City Sirens and how difficult it was to get Birds of Prey made.
1: Did you guys take a look at that interview at all?
2: I did not. I've been fucking incommunicado most of this week.
1: Mm. i had it opened in a tab all week and never actually sat down to read like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it like yeah you just sat there looking at it, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't, i'm not i'm sure there's a good reason for it at least somebody's acknowledged the fact that like there's a, there has to be a reason why they made this movie as opposed to just making this like a harley quinn movie or at that point doing gartham city sirens which was the movie i was more interested in seeing because i was hoping they would go and cast like the poison ivy and catwoman and do that story yeah Got them sized
2: irons, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, do that outside the Batman movie kind of thing, like set those characters up ahead of time, and then they, yeah, elsewhere. But I guess not, like, I don't know. So,
0: I'm a bit like, I was the what she said about it was that Birds of Prey offers more opportunities for more female characters to be shown on screen. For I guess, and it seems kind of like, well, we want to introduce these characters who potentially have their own franchise potential. And it doesn't give me a lot of hope for like the actual quality of the film. Although people like first reactions have said that it's just like dumb fun so far.
2: Which is pretty much what it needs to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it seems like she was basing her lobbying harder for Birds of Prey in the hopes of having more representation for women superheroes in general on the big screen, which is a good goal to have while might not be the best storytelling choice, like, I understand where she's coming from on that. Like, yeah. uh, Gotham City Sirens is, like, a... It's three characters, whereas Birds of Prey is, like, innumerably interchangeable because there have been so many Birds of Prey over the course of the years that, like...
1: Even though it should be the core, too. God damn it. But I'm still at the same time, like, why don't you introduce Birds of Prey in Gotham City Sirens, then? Like, you know what I mean? Then you get all those big-name characters to apply to this like right out the gate right like you get Mm -hmm. the whole poison ivy and catwoman to be the villains for the birds of prey to go after or like you just use the birds of prey as like the foil basically and then you get to set them up for their own movie the next one where maybe harley quinn goes over and fucks around with them i don't know whatever yeah i'm not that interested in this movie so (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm gonna go see it because i know we're gonna review it and like it is a comic book movie and i like margot robbie as harley quinn but like yeah um, Everything else I've seen about this movie, I'm just like, this looks pretty generic to me. Like, I'm sure it'll be okay, but...
0: People are praising Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress, which I'm excited about, because I really liked her in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, I like her in everything,
1: basically. But yeah, Yeah, she's
0: pretty great. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm kind of excited to see the movie just, like, as a popcorn movie more than anything. Yeah. It's just been a while since I've gone to the movies and actually... Enjoyed my time at the movies because I saw like the last movies I saw were like Doolittle and Cats. So
2: <laughs> you did that to yourself. Look, okay,
0: yeah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> but you guys got Doolittle after us, and like, and after once. <laughs> the, the problem is that neither
1: Tim nor I saw that movie. Yeah. Like, oh know mean? Like, neither, I don't I think I don't,
2: that was going to be a piece of shit. Maybe yeah. Tim didn't
1: want to saw it. I don't know. I didn't go see it, and I oh, will no. not see it now that I've heard the things I've heard oh, about God. it. I was not
2: going to go fucking see it to begin no, with. <laughs> no, me yeah. neither. i yeah. have
1: a lot of interest in uh, Robert Downey Jr. Vanity Piece. Yeah.
2: Um, so Putting on a shitty fucking accent. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know if
0: you could call that a vanity piece because it's more like a, an assassination of his
1: talent. Well, it's like <laughs> his It's his wife's vanity piece. His wife has been, right. trying, to that. She's been trying to produce that movie for like a decade.
2: Mm, so, like, well, that makes sense. Well,
1: like That's kind of what variety scuttlebutt was
0: so. yeah well and also there's rumors that the removing things from the dragon's ass ending was a robert downey jr idea <laughs> because he thought it was funny which oh my god he literally
2: <laughs> pulled that out of his ass is
0: what he literally saying? pulled it out of his yeah oh god uh let's see is there any other news that i wanted uh oh star wars galaxy's edge won a grammy
2: It did, John Williams. It's like his fucking 25th Grammy or some shit like that.
0: Yeah, Galaxy's Edge Symphonic Suite won a Grammy, which I'm like, okay, they'll literally give Grammys to anything at any time. Grammys happened. (laughs) That was interesting. I guess it was like the Twitter reactions were a lot more interesting than the the Grammys ceremony itself, and it was the lowest-rated Grammy ceremony in, like, ever.
1: So... I don't think I've ever watched the fucking Grammys. I watched it. There's a performance on there that I care for. Mm. I wasn't going to watch it this year regardless, even though like Tool won for something. Like they won Best Metal Performance, I think, for Tempest this year. Mm. Uh, so I, I saw that and like, I was like, oh, good for them, I guess. They've won a couple of those at this point. Yeah. But like... Other than that, I mean, I was there's not anybody who was performing that I was interested in seeing. And like most of the awards, I did the old man test, right, where I went and looked at the nominees. and was like, how many people, like, how many names do I at least recognize? Yeah. And it was actually higher than I was expecting it to be, but still, <laughs> yeah. but still in the like, I don't actually know if I've really heard all these songs, aside from just like random Spotify, it tr- trying to play them for me kind of things.
0: Yeah. FKA Twigs performed, but she didn't actually sing, which I think is like a really big missed opportunity for the prince tribute yeah because they had sheila e on drums and stuff which was kind of like i liked it in theory but when i found out that twigs wasn't singing i was just like i'm not gonna watch this so yeah there you go let's see what else oh apple and netflix are both trying to get mgm for a movie back catalog because they don't have enough content i just want one of them to buy sony so that, like that problem <laughs>
3: <a big> <laughs>
0: you know yeah I am like, MGM is a weird thing, though, because it's kind of a Hydra company where not all of the pieces are owned by itself. And so if you own a piece of the MGM back catalog, it only includes certain MGM properties because some of them are owned by like Paramount and like various other entities. And so Mm -hmm. I think like if you get the MGM back catalog, you, you get James Bond. But I don't think you get, like, every
1: though? Because that's, like, partially at Sony, and there's Eon Productions well, in the mix there, too. So, like, I don't... Maybe the back catalog of Bond movies comes through MGM, but I'm not sure anymore. Like, I have to go check that box. I have it downstairs. Yeah, it's... Let's see who, what's on the label, but I'm pretty sure... Because all the new movies come from Sony Pictures. Right. So maybe it's only a, a certain
0: number of James Bond movies that... Because, like, uh, does
1: MGM produce movies anymore, technically? Or, is it, or are they just technically like a big I don't back-end? know.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've ever seen their seen... fucking, yeah, that, that opening on anything in ages.
1: Yeah, I was just saying, like, when was the last time you remember seeing The Lion, and it wasn't you going back and watching something from, like, 1993? Right. Or maybe
2: they're just making shit that we don't watch.
1: It's entirely possible. hmm The only thing I see, well, the top thing is a fucking theme park. When you Google that. What, Mg- MGM, MGM Studios? No, resorts. Oh, the
2: hotels? Yeah. yeah. The Vegas oh. resorts? like they're bankrupt if and they're stuff. actually producing so anything anymore yeah
1: i think most of what they do is like their back catalogs tied up with sony and mm-hmm. fucking almost looks like everybody i don't know
0: yeah it's a fucking clusterfuck when you look at which properties are owned by whom and what yeah. and stuff like it kind of reminds me of like or the 90s marvel selling off of characters to various studios yeah. and how they are owned by like all kinds of different companies yeah it's kind of a similar
2: vibe
1: i heard they just got hulk back from universal Like they just bought them
2: Ooh, that'd hulk. be nice that might just
1: be a rumor I saw. So. yeah i
2: haven't seen anything on that but if it's if it's true that would be cool
0: yeah um uh, let's see video game news something i'm very excited about is the final fantasy 7 remake that's coming out in april and one th- of the things i was worried about was there's a sequence in it i think i ta- mentioned this before about the honeybee inn where cloud is forced to dress up in drag to seduce a villain And uh, nobody thought it was going to get updated and localized and put in the new game, but it's actually happening. There are pictures online of Cloud in full drag seducing people. So I'm very happy about that. I'm so (laughs) excited that they decided to maintain the integrity of the original Final Fantasy VII story by letting uh, Cloud wear pigtails and a really frilly (laughs) dress. It's going to be great. Before and after he, like... Know, picks up a giant sword to try to kill Sephiroth or whatever it's gonna
2: be good times so is that is that not considered like transphobic or whatever though if I he's
0: I mean if he uh, I guess it's situational like men yeah. men dress in women's clothing as drag queens and that's not considered transphobic fair enough or well I guess in some some circles it could be depending on like yeah. what
1: you are intending to do but well, like the, the internet's answer would probably be like, does it exist? Yes. yes. Therefore, somebody's probably offended by it. So yeah.
0: there you go. I personally think that it's given the context of the story, he dresses up to as a woman so that his actual women like allies like Tifa and Aerith don't have to get molested by Don Corneo. So he is and he ends up being the most beautiful of them all, weirdly. So there you go. I don't know it's like 90s humor but it's it's fine it's I'm excited I'm just glad that they didn't shy away from it it was that level of weirdness that Square Enix has been kind of shying away from like their video games since Final Fantasy I want to say 12 have been kind of like sterile there's not there's a severe lack of humor when there used to be a lot of humor in their games so I'm glad that they're like keeping up with this cool yeah. And uh, do you guys have anything else? I don't know if I missed anything.
2: There was a big thing. Well, a couple big things happened on Doctor Who this past week. Mark, are you going? You're going to watch it at some point, are you?
1: I've already had it spoiled. I saw the idea. All
2: right. Record. So spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. A couple big things happened. One, Captain Jack Harkness is back. He, awesome. yeah, which is fantastic. You know, back in fucking full form to just chewing up the scenery as usual. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And then also there is sort of a new mystery doctor, new mystery Time Lord that appeared as well, who is an older black woman that is, you know, sort of nobody really knows the full story behind yet, which is pretty interesting. So definitely a big fucking week in Doctor Who. And, And this season, they're definitely doing it very differently than they did first season like there's definitely more of a big sort of overarching story going on in this season uh that sort of digs more into the doctor's like lore and legacy kind of thing which is usually the kind of doctor who stories that i tend to go for a little bit more so
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've heard this season was a little bit more like i know a lot of people were kind of aligning it but it's a little bit more like back to kind of standard doctor who and i was i'm kind of on the yeah okay because i had a a rough time getting through that last season so yeah
2: mm. yeah and then the the other major stuff there are two shows that finished well three shows that finished this week uh the good place finished this week i've not watched the finale yet me
0: neither that's why i didn't want to bring it up because i don't want to get spoiled on yeah.
2: anything <laughs> <laughs> star wars resistance had its series finale this past week and it had three seasons total uh it was a pretty good finale to it i was pretty happy with that overall And Arrow had its series finale after eight seasons earlier this week as well. I'm still about a season behind on it, but from everything I'm seeing, it sounded like it was a pretty good send off and had really interesting sort of teaser at the end, which again, I've already been spoiled on this. So spoiler alert to any of our listeners. But John Diggle opens up a box that casts a green glow on his face and it's very clearly teasing that he may end up being a Green Lantern
1: at some point. Well, they were talking about uh, him and I watched the episode, and him and his wife are moving to Metropolis, mm. and, and it sounds like he may be a supporting character on Lois and Clark. Oh, that'd be cool. Superman and Lois, I guess, would be the yeah, 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 um, as the Green Lantern. Yeah, like it's basically John Stewart, Green Lantern. So nice. It sounds like somebody's finally fucking listened and was like, "Well, we want to get John Stewart somewhere." I guess, yeah. Even if it's People John won't...
2: Diggle. <laughs> yeah,
1: even if it's John Diggle Stewart, you know what I mean? like Or John Stewart Diggle or whatever you want to call yeah. him. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it because yeah. it's John Stewart-ish Green Lantern somewhere in real life as opposed to basically ignoring Green Lantern. Not that I'm like a huge Green Lantern guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a soft spot for the John Stewart character because of the, yeah. that Justice League. And I'm always baffled by that show having been on the air for how many years and they don't really like go back to I mean, a whole... there's a generation of kids who recognize Jon Stewart as Green Lantern and there's just not really a lot of Jon Stewart anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: And the very last bit of news that I had was just random bit of theme park news that uh, something I've kind of been following for a while. Have you guys seen like these animatronic like stunt double things that Disney's been developing?
1: Yeah, I saw the Spider-Man this week.
2: Yeah, so they're looking at, um, in this Marvel area that they're building in California Adventure, the part of the Disneyland Resort, Uh, they're going to put in these, like, robotic Spider-Men that are going to, like, fucking, like, jump through the air and do fucking, like, crazy acrobatics and shit like that. Like, completely like freestanding not connected to anything like probably do some like swinging kind of shit too and i think that'll look really fucking cool like can you imagine just like walking around through the land and fucking spidey like does a aerial somersault over your head
1: My only problem is that I was just watching Simpsons reruns on Disney Plus, and I just watched the Itchy and Scratchy Land (laughs) episode. And, like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God, a mechanical Spider-Man is going to try and kill me. That's what
0: I was thinking. I think, like, this is a setup for a fucking supervillain to take over those robots and start attacking the (laughs) park goers.
1: Yeah, making Spider-Man look like even more of a menace or whatever.
2: (laughs) Maybe that's what they're playing into. They're playing into Spider-Man 3 or... Yeah, whatever it's going to be called.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're going to call it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man Home Fries. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Spider-Man Home Arrest. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it. Uh, oh, I found uh, there are two more items. Okay, so this one is anime, so tune out. But there's going to be a live-action One Piece series on Netflix. One Piece is like the super, super long-running anime and manga about pirates who have superpowers. And it's famous... I don't know if it's as famous in North America. I know it's well known in America among anime fans, but like in Japan and Korea, China, everyone knows One Piece. So like, that's kind of a thing. And they're talking about remaking uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which if you are a musical fan, might be a little weird to you. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) if I want them to touch the Rick Moranis classic Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I don't need that.
1: We haven't brought up that uh, Rick Moranis isn't going to be, like it's the only non-returning horror. I mean, who is available to return? Obviously, but like he's the only non-returning cast member from Ghostbusters, obviously. Still, so yeah. He's, he's
2: well, we don't him. we don't know that he's not going to come in for a cameo or something. I know he's like retired and hardly does anything. Yeah. In Hollywood, anymore. I just saw a news
1: story this week that said like he's not going to be in it. So I was, like, mm. I was like, well, I was holding out hope because you know Rick Moranis would be cool yeah. as shit to see him come back. J- yeah, especially just for Ghostbusters. So.
2: <laughs> oh well.
0: Yeah. All right. So that wraps up the news for the week. So now we can go to our Geek of the Week.
3: Geek of the Week.
0: Where we talk about the geekiest thing that we did this week. So let's go to Mark. What was your Geek of the Week this week? Well, my
1: cousin kidnapped me last Sunday night while I was I was back home in St. Catharines for our sister's birthday party. And I was still in town on Sunday night. And he was like, it's Royal Rumble Day. And I was like, oh, I didn't. I hadn't even thought about any of that. But... Really. <laughs> I ended up going to watch the Royal Rumble, and that was my Geek of the Week, because I spent three hours watching a WWE production that I had, and the worst part is, like, now I'm completely, like, I don't have any idea of what's going on at all with WWE products at all, so I just was sitting there watching this, like, completely cold, and was like, Whew, this is <laughs> long. Like it's long, man. Like four like, Yeah. If you're not match? invested
2: in it, like yeah.
1: So like, they, and then like, usually the Rumble matches are fun, but they did some weird stuff with the storytelling on the the actual match itself, and it was broken up into these interesting little parts. But like, there's two Royal Rumbles now because they have a women's Royal Rumble, so it's just like two big Battle Royals is a lot. That is a lot through, especially because like there's only so many spots you can kind of do in that big Battle Royal scenario. So once you've seen them in one kills that for the other one so like you know what i mean like the one rumble doesn't have all the spots to draw from anymore they're cutting them in half basically yeah and then like it's two women's championship matches and two men's championship matches on top of that i don't know one champion one men's championship match but it's just like oh it was a long show Rumble match was fun like we had a good time obviously because we were just hanging out and like drinking and shooting the shit but (laughs) after watching the other show which i've been uh, like uh, the AEW show which i've been enjoying Quite a lot at just two hours every week, and like I'm in and out real fast um, and interacting with some of the superstars lately on Twitter and stuff. But that's like whatever, <laughs> yeah. That WWE show was like, whew. but same time, somebody won $25 because we always bet five bucks on the stupid Royal Rumble, and it wasn't me. So, there we go.
2: Okay. <laughs> who All did right. win the Royal Rumble? Yeah,
1: who won? Uh, who oh, Drew McIntyre? Uh, he's a newer guy, he's this, this fucking giant Irish guy, he's like six foot 10 or something like that. Jesus. He knocked Brock Lesnar out midway through the match and because Brock had been number one. Uh, I'd come in and number one through, I think, about 13 or 14. Brock just eliminated them all one at a time because he's Brock Lesnar and a fucking monster. Yeah. And then once uh, they finally got some of the bigger guys to come out and they kind of slowed things down. And then Drew McIntyre came out and, like, he does his finishing moves. I don't know what the hell he calls it, but it's basically just like a flying boot to the fucking face. And the guy's six foot 10 with size 19 feet or whatever so it looks like he kills people when he kicks them in the face
0: (laughs) yeah he's also got the most massive five head i've ever seen yeah oh yeah but he's ripped like for a dude (laughs) that size
1: he is fucking jacked as all get out too yes i was was actually impressed i'd never seen him before i was like holy shit that guy that's an impressive like that's a vince mcmahon prototype kind of guy like that's the kind of guy vince just gets like rock hard for he (laughs) loves that kind of shit like like an undertakery like six foot ten just super jacked dude yeah all about it so he's like drew mcintyre is like he's gonna be the guy i think he's actually gonna beat brock at mania this year and get kind of crowned like the new the man i guess but Mm -hmm. yeah he's a big dude and like yeah his kick looked pretty effective so i was like i was impressed (laughs) like it was good but you know i had no i'd never seen this guy before in my life yeah, and I was like, he's taking up Brock Lesnar. I'm like, all right, so that's where we're going with the story. Cool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Dude needs to shave his head, though. That, the, that long hair is not working for him. Well, usually don't let them do that until they're like 45. But if right. his hair starts falling out, you never know. It's hard to say. Yeah. All right.
2: Tim, what's your geek of the week? I already mentioned it. So like I said, Star Wars Resistance finished up this week and uh, I finally sort of I was a few episodes behind. So I got caught up and finished out the series. And he like said it was it was a pretty good series overall. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to probably rewatch Rebels uh, to see whether which one series I kind of liked more. But um, it was interesting. It wasn't a whole lot of like Jedi stuff. It was really more of the Kind of building up of the resistance from more of like the pilot kind of standpoint of things, which was, you know, it was, it was it's always nice to see that side of Star Wars. that's not just like magic space wizards kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Word.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And it did have uh, like a lot of cameos throughout the series. Like uh, Leia comes around at one point. Um, Poe Dameron is a recurring character. There's Kylo Ren. It like plays a big role in the past couple episodes, like the finale and everything. So Mm Yeah, definitely interesting if you're interested, you know, sort of in more of that, like, and it's set set in between basically uh, episodes six and seven. So if you're interested in kind of seeing the lead in into Force Awakens in terms of sort of where the resistance comes from, you can get a little bit more of that there. Cool. Cool. All right.
0: My geek of the week this week was actually video games. I actually sat down and finally unlocked all of my Super Smash Brothers Ultimate characters. I had a little anime marathon. And we watched Azumanga Daioh, which is like a cutesy kind of slice of life anime. And then we played some video games and I realized I had only unlocked like half the Smash Brothers characters, which was fine. I mean, that was still like 30 something characters to play with. But mm. after my friends left, I just sat down and like just unlocked everything in one go (laughs) took a long time
2: yeah i was gonna say that must have been a fucking marathon session it it was it's what like one character you get to unlock every 10 minutes or something well
0: there is a little trick that you can do if you log out fully of the game and then log back in it resets the clock on the Uh, ten minute timer so i still had to like spend about an hour and a bit unlocking because you have to win a fight in like just a, a one battle and like a regular smash thing. So you can do like a one stock battle and mm-hmm. then you can fight the new challenger and then you have to exit the game fully and then go back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that about 40 something times uh, <laughs> in a row to get all of my characters unlocked. I'd, I had unlocked a bunch from the solo campaign, but that solo campaign is like, I don't know. It's too ran- like. I'm, I'm complaining about things being random and Super Smash There's Brothers. There's no
2: story whatsoever. And no.
0: It's, like, it's, it's so it's,
2: loose. and Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so it wasn't... It, I didn't find it particularly fun. I just wanted the characters to, so my friends and I could sit down and play with whoever we wanted yeah. when we were going to go against each other. So I just unlocked it the quickest way possible. And it took me a couple hours, but it was fun. And I bought the Fighters Pass one that had like Banjo-Kazooie and the Dragon Quest hero, and Joker from Persona 5, Uh, who else? Terry Bogard. So now I have all of the characters. Now I've been playing around with who I want to choose as my main. I'm still Mm -hmm. not sure yet, but I am enjoying Terry Bogard a lot, because he's fun. I love Fatal Fury. What are you going to (laughs) do? So yeah, with that being said, we can move on to our meat of the episode
2: weird black demon tentacle meets woo yeah <laughs> so had a busy
0: weekend so didn't get a chance to do a majorly difficult topic so i decided we should do another review episode we now know that studio G- oh studio ghibli movies will be available on netflix it, everywhere except the united states and in yes. canada as of today. So the first batch of Ghibli movies, they'll be coming in waves on the first of the month every month for the next little while because it's quite a big catalog now. But in celebration of that, I decided to choose one of my favorite Ghibli movies to review, which is Princess Mononoke. Given Ghibli's tendency towards more family-friendly and younger audience-type films, I decided that this one was probably more appealing to our demographic. So yeah, Monon okay. So the, my first question is, did you guys watch subs or dubs?
2: Mark, <laughs> subs or dubs? I knew that was going to be asked. I'm,
1: always, I'm a subs guy because I'm your brother and yeah. don't like getting yelled at that much. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so I there's kidding. that... No, I'm also just like, I don't. I always find the dubs, it, it never works properly for me, right? So I mm-hmm. prefer to just kind of read the translation. Yeah, so yeah, totally. Subs.
0: Sorry.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. Tim, how about you? Subs or dubs? <laughs> I had both of them turned on. So I, I had the English dub turned on, but I also had the subtitles on. And holy shit, there's some differences between those. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty far off from each other sometimes. I agree. And, and it was in part just because, like, Shit's so busy right now with like us getting ready for our move and everything that like i just knew i wasn't going to be be able to like dedicate like full 100 percent attention to it and read all the fucking subs and so like i i had to have the the dubs on as well but yeah some yeah. of the dubs not so great some of the casting on the dubs not so good
0: yeah, so let's talk about that dub casting,
2: because it's it's
0: pretty uh, star-studded. This was mm. when, uh, like, Disney was putting a lot of money into Ghibli. I don't think they own the rights to Ghibli anymore, but they had a licensing agreement with Ghibli to put out movies, and they, uh, Princess Mononoke has a pretty interesting cast. Like, the main character, Ashitaka, is played by Billy Crudup. Jillian Anderson, quiet? Uh yeah. Jillian uh, Anderson did a fine job, I
2: think, as well. Yeah, there was Billy Bob Thornton. Holy fuck, that was the one that really took me out of it. <laughs> yeah, so bad. He's so fucking bad. Uh, I
1: didn't watch. I didn't watch it with the American or the English dub at all.
2: So. Yeah, so he plays Jigo,
0: the the the, okay. the the monk, the monk yeah. guy who's following him around. Uh, John DiMaggio, Claire Danes plays San, the uh, actual princess of the forest. When was it, this dubbed. Done? She was fine.
2: 1997. Okay. No, not yeah. 99. I think was it, when it was released. was the dub in the oh, US. Oh. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay.
2: It. Yeah, it got released a couple years later in the US in 99.
1: For that, she would have been like super it girl at that point. That's what, I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what it was. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith did Toki. Like, there's
3: a like. Oh,
2: really distracting. Yeah. To have like, yeah, to have Jada Pinkett Smith like basically somebody speaking, you know, not like. Hardcore like Ebonics, but like with definitely an African American like vocal tinge to an Asian character that was real jarring for me.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, like, how do we translate Japanese accents? Because, like, even within uh, all of Japan, there are multiple accents. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, there's multiple accents in English for a Japanese production. It's a weird process, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. even in *Azumanga Daioh, which we were watching this weekend, there's a character that comes from Osaka, and they nickname her Osaka. Very, very clever. But she, <laughs> they have her speaking like a southern country bumpkin, dropping her Gs in the, her, like, she says, like, walkin' and eatin' and no. stuff like that. So they have her as, like, a country no. bumpkin, nice. which, which, because it, it kind of matches culturally. Even if it doesn't match like the way the language actually works, like the the feeling of the country bumpkin makes sense for Osaka because she's kind of like slow and dim-witted, but like pleasant to be around. Yeah. So in,
2: in retrospect, I probably should have just watched it with subs. <laughs>
0: yeah, you should have. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, and Mini Driver was Lady Eboshi. Yeah, which, she was.
3: Good.
0: And I just miss Mini Driver. I wish she was in more stuff. Like, I just yeah. think she's great. So, so uh, that being said, you guys made your choices, and Mark made the right choice. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were your initial impressions of the film, Mark?
1: Well, this isn't my initial watching of the movie. I've seen this movie a couple times. It's been yeah. a long time since I've seen it. Um, I forgot how long it was. That was mm. the, the kind of big takeaway. Well, actually, not the biggest takeaway. I, I mean, it's beautiful. Like, that's all I really watched when I watched animation. The first time, we're like... "Quote unquote," the first time through, Uh, so it's just like it's still one of the most beautifully animated movies I've ever seen, like hand animation and stuff like that. It's so like spot on done. I love really good anime though, so like the, the animation quality and stuff. It's just second to none. So I was enjoying that aspect of it probably more than anything else. Mm. Also, like I immediately was just like, it's just smashed me over the head with like Breath of the Wild vibes. Or, yeah, I guess it's like yeah, sort
0: of the... Breath of, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: But yeah, it was like, oh man, I was, I was almost into it right away because I'm like, oh, it kind of feels like Zelda or like the Last Zelda anyway. So yeah, and I know obviously the Last Zelda took a lot of design hints from the
2: ghibli movies and stuff like yeah well and vice they, they trade back and forth right because like yeah. there's definitely even like ocarina of time sort of influences in here and those are contemporary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah but even down to like ashitaka's color scheme like the the yeah. costume that he wears looks like Link. yeah 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 so that was breath of the Link. yeah yeah how about you tim what were your like initial feelings or reintroduced feelings if you've rewatched or you were rewatching
3: it
2: so i i could have fucking sworn i had seen this movie before but within about like 10 minutes i was like no i don't think that i have or if i did it just for whatever it didn't leave much impression full disclosure this is going to have fucking Echoes of our Knives Out episode. This is decidedly not my genre. And never... I, I, I have made multiple attempts in my lifetime to really sort of get into anime. And once in a while, one resonates with me. This one does not super resonate with me. I It is very fucking pretty, very, really well animated. But I just did not have an easy time sort of getting into it, getting into Mm -hmm. the story and, you know, getting, getting into the characters, motivations and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was very pretty, but maybe, you know, I also fucking looked at the time on it. I was like, holy shit, this is a fucking animated movie. That's two hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah. Like these days (laughs) we're lucky if we uh, lucky, quote unquote, depending on the movie, if we get a fucking animated movie that hits 90 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: I want to talk a little bit about that because there's this thing that people talk about called Ghibli pacing or the generally Ghibli movies, like almost every single one really like to take their time and let you kind of soak up the scenery as it were. It's one of the reasons I enjoy watching Ghibli movies because they like like to live in the beauty of the moment and of the, like, they know they're making really pretty art. So it's mm-hmm. like, let's let you kind of let it simmer let you enjoy it a little bit but oh and they they do oh they do but it does turn a lot of people off did you guys have like a a reaction to the pacing of the film
2: it's definitely not your sort of standard western pacing right like it it is yeah there's took some getting used to but i don't think i had a major issue with the pacing overall like i'm okay with movies that are a little slower you know that sort of take their time and do let you really really live in the scenery i mean look at fucking like mark and i fucking gushing over blade runner shit like yeah. that like those are movies that really take their time and and highlight
1: scenery and that kind of thing yeah hey, i was thinking about uh, blade runner and uh once upon a time in hollywood while i was thinking watching this in terms mm. of just kind of like the, it letting the scenes breathe and stuff like that which is a change of pace from animation from what i'm used to basically because like most of my animation intake these days is like especially those dc animated uh, universe kind of movies where they fucking just
2: like, hastily slapped together, yeah, <laughs> like, just yeah. like slap shot together, <laughs> minimal and like backgrounds, and
1: yeah, and they're also, but they're also paced at, they're just like it's eighty minutes of just like fucking insanity and breakneck and shit, yeah. and everything's just like ba 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 and you never get to really look at anything, and that's probably for the best because the animation's never that great, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would kill to see like them take the fucking time and do like a a Batman anime that looked this good you know what i mean like just really spend the time and
2: do it well they the they did that batman ninja fucking travesty <laughs> that was weird. like
1: I, there was parts of that that i enjoyed just in terms of like looking at the art and stuff like that but i was at the same time i'm like this what the fuck is going on is yeah it bastard?
2: just it just breaks your brain to watch yeah. it mm.
1: so yeah i don't know
0: yeah i think that the the pacing in this movie because this weirdly like you might not feel it maybe not knowing the Ghibli catalog like I do but this is one of the more like plot heavy action oriented films in the oeuvre of Ghibli because some of them like if you watch a movie like Whisper of the Heart or The Cat Returns or even My Neighbor Totoro not a lot happens in those movies. There's like a few like major like scenes and set pieces but there's not a lot of plot and it's just kind of like you enjoy and watch things kind of unfold instead of like following a storyline but i tend to really enjoy like those kind of quiet moments where like it doesn't seem like it's serving the plot necessarily but it is building the world like when ashitaka goes to that village with um all the women working the kiln and stuff like that and like them just kind of walks the iron works and just watching him Watching him do the thing and just like interacting with the characters and stuff like that, or going into Lady Boshi's quarters and like everything's very quiet and sedate, and he takes a moment to like feel the the tension in the room. I like that kind of stuff, and I'm glad that in a they had the the wherewithal, the audacity to do it in an animated film where like you know every frame really counts and is very labor intensive. So yeah. yeah. I'll agree with that. So that being said, though, the storyline is we've got Prince Ashitaka of his village gets his village is attacked by a wild boar god type thing. They they use the word god a lot when they're referring to these giant demon monster animals. And he's been infected by some kind of like squishy, gross tentacle emanation coming from him. Uh, This boar attacks the village and infects Ashitaka with this curse. And so Ashitaka has to go and leave the village. He's kind of excommunicated uh, from the village. Sadly, not. they're not like, ew, gross, get away. They're like, oh, shit, this is really too bad, but you got to go. And he f- stumbles upon this village run by a woman named Lady Eboshi, who is trying to turn a forest into an iron mine so she can uh, make enough money to like support her community. But the forest gods are really not having it and are... Uh, periodically attacking this Ironworks village. And among the people, the gods who are attacking this village are our titular Princess Mononoke, the girl San, who is like this wild jungle girl that Ashitaka encounters and eventually falls in love with. And wackiness ensues, and there's a big battle, and it's uh, cool. So what would you guys think of the story?
1: (laughs) Once it kind of gets going, because it does take a little bit of time to kind of get, like, put all the pieces in place. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. you're not really into the actual plot of this story until, like, an hour into the movie. Um, Yeah. Like, you don't really know exactly what the fuck's going on or whatever. Because it's just kind of letting you live in the world a little bit. Which is fine. It's a choice they made. Like, I, it just, to me, as, like, a peripheral anime kind of guy, like, I I listen, I hear a lot about it because of you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It felt like a lot of tropes kind of condensed into a one thing to me but that's just me bitching about stuff more than anything I like this story like it's got that kind of green ASAP but it's not exactly a green kind of story because there's still reasons why like technology makes humans stronger and stuff so that you have to kind of temper it and as opposed to just like no fucking all this green stuff is whatever you know what I mean like it, there's a tendency it's very between, like Buddhist
2: sort of yeah. uh, thing right like you know where it's like moderation rather than yeah um, like exactly stream. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which I found kind of refreshing, considering usually it's like one or the other. Usually, like, just, it's all like... Get <laughs> getting Avatar like, syndrome kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you have to go back and live on a farm or something like that. Like, technology is just a, a huge negative. I'm like, I don't... I mean, who that's real knee-jerky to me. So I like that they have that moderation to the story.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I, it's always one of those, like, the talking animal thing, especially when it comes to, like, Japanese lore and stuff. Like, I know that t- ties back to their cultural background and stuff, so... I don't know. It's always weird to me because it's like they have rules about the wolves have to have men voices even though they're women. And... Yeah. It's very confusing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just, There's a lot you got to take in and then be like process and then think about everything because it's like this isn't traditional Western storytelling also. You know what I mean? Like it's a different kind of hero's journey than what we're usually kind of used to. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I, like for me this time watching it, I was focusing on it more as like just kind of watching it through the the zelda you kind of lens i guess and that brought me a lot of comfort like it made me feel more at home because uh, mm-hmm. they use those storytelling tropes i guess or whatever
0: um, yeah similarly uh, similarly yeah for sure I mean, yeah i mean i
2: can we talk more about how pretty it is because because <laughs> for me like i and again this is probably in large part just due to this not being a genre that i i'm around very much but for me it uh, it's not a story that does a great job establishing its parameters to begin with. Like there's a lot that we don't know about this world and we're just kind of thrown in and meant to fucking know certain things. Like, and again, as Mark said, like, yes, there's definitely some cultural shorthand that I'm probably missing here. Mm -hmm. So like, if I had more of that, you know, japanese cultural knowledge you know that that folklore background kind of thing then i'd probably get more of that than i do mm-hmm. and i think that it does assume a lot of that it's clearly made initially for a, a japanese audience and then mm-hmm. it was brought to a larger wider audience and sort of tried to it uh, to, to be adapted for it but you know they obviously couldn't change much visually so they just tried to do it maybe in the way that it was dubbed and i don't know how well that transferred and that kind of thing mm. Part of it may be that I have been spoiled in this day and age and maybe our sort of entire generation has at this point by multi-film epics like Lord of the Rings, like Star Wars, like the MCU, where they've got a lot more time to sort of gradually build up these mythologies and not just dump you into the middle of it Uh right at the start or something like this into something that's pretty fucking epic. And I think because of that, I had trouble kind of getting a clear idea of what some of the characters motivations really were. And, and some of them were clearly pretty complicated, but I don't know that they were ever spelled out in a way that worked for me. Like a seemed to have like three different fucking things going on at any given time in terms of what she was thinking and what she was trying to do and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's more of a
0: strength than a weakness. So it's, I think that the, one of the um, readings of that is that like a has, really is probably the most complex character in the story like she has the most i don't want to say muddled but like more most ambivalent uh well, motivations like, great, like yeah like big, black big and gray morality kind of thing yeah.
1: like you're yeah. getting into like shades of gray morality kind of stuff with her yeah. I think. yeah because i think there's an aspect where you can kind of interpret her character being like she wants to do what's best it's almost like politics right she's doing what's best for the people so that she has the people's support because she has this grand ambition to take over the country basically yeah like that's how kinda how I read it.
2: From this no. emperor who's actually the big bad that we never
1: actually see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like Villain of another story is a is a like, I mean, that's not uncommon like yeah. where you, you see that in fantasy kind of stuff where like, yeah, the emperor sends in whatever or it's some fucking yeah. weird demon king or that sends this fucking troop of guys after Conan or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you never really yeah. see
0: whatever. That's a really big common thing in anime too. So, like, that's maybe that's just a a genre trope that uh, for me, like the way that they dropped you into the story with like demon thing, curse, like tiny, like glowing forest midgets. I was all already on board with it. Like, yeah, the Kodama. Kodama. The first time I watched that, I was like, I was kind (laughs) of like, oh yeah, okay. Everything kind of like you just kind of Ghibli movies. You just kind of have to like let the random hit you and you'd realize how they do integrate into the worlds. Ghibli movies really don't do like a scroll or a preamble. Like they don't tend to explain themselves very much, no matter like even the ones geared towards kids are just kind of like, yep, this is the world. Enjoy. This is it. Here you go. So yeah. yeah, I can see how that can be alienating though, because you hear hints of like a bigger world with the emperor and stuff like that through conversations and dialogue but there's no like like there's
2: no like opening like you know the the empire is or is, is yeah, the yeah. dead you know. speak yeah the dead <laughs> speak. yeah the yeah. emperor yeah the dead speak or whatever it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The voice oh. of the emperor is ringing throughout the uh, throughout the galaxy yeah um,
1: I don't know I don't mind this kind of stuff this is like old storytelling like it's world building stuff right where you hint at like the larger world so it doesn't feel yeah. like you're just in this tiny little like secluded spot in the world i guess i'm fine with it
0: yeah because the story is about those basically those three characters more than anything else like it's it's a power play between the forest and the ironworks and ashitaka getting stuck in the middle i want to talk a little bit particularly about characters though because i think all three of the main characters are really cool and well rounded and even san even though she doesn't get a lot to say seems really well-rounded, but let's talk about Ashitaka, because I don't know why, but I just find him to be, like, one of the most likable anime protagonists overall. Like, in spite of the fact that he gets cursed, he's, like, pretty good-natured overall, even though he's probably gonna die. He's, like, he seems pretty okay with it overall. And he's pretty badass.
1: There's something about, uh, and it's probably just, like, my exposure to Japanese culture, about, like, the, the silent, kind of quiet protagonist who just, like, bears down and faces his fate with quiet dignity or something like that they really like that like link Uh, like link yeah it's pretty much the link i think i maybe i'm putting too much link on this character right now where i'm like did he do that much like he kind of gets involved and like checks things out but i don't remember him like
2: he kills a bunch of dudes
1: but he does but then i'm like you know what he actually does like really fuck a bunch of people up and he's a badass so like (laughs) that's true yeah yeah
2: Yeah. Um, with his arrows that can somehow dismember people
1: Hey man, that's the demon strength. That's that's how I (laughs) interpreted that. It's just like weird supernatural demon strength, I guess. He had that weird tentacle arm. And like
2: And is that also why he could just keep walking after he got fucking like shot through the chest? Well, I yeah. assume bet-
1: between that and just being the hero to Terminator, like that's yeah. also there's that too. So.
2: No, I I actually I I'm, I I like Ashitaka as a character for the most part. Like I mostly I really like sort of the bond that he has with Yakul. Yeah, who, the the elk kind of character. Like those two that pair together you know, that was one of kind of my... That was probably, like, my favorite relationship in the movie was those yeah. two.
1: Yeah, I totally... Because I, you totally get, like, the man and his dog, basically. Like, that's how yeah. yeah. the story is, right? So I was just... I was super on board with how, like... This loyal animal just like hangs out with him all the time, like he's, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and Son yeah. tells him like like multiple times, like people tell you, cool, just to just to leave, like you're free now and stuff like that. He's like, nah, fuck you, this is my dude. I'm fucking staying here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like it, there's nothing. It has nothing
1: to do with free at all, right? Like to yeah. him, he's like, this is this is my life. He's my buddy. Like we we fucking rock and roll it's together. Fucking, like,
2: it's fucking Han and Chewie,
1: basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. It gave down? me not it, more than link in a Pona vibes. It gave me what's his name from shadows of the Colossus and Agro. You, yeah. did, did You guys play shadows of the Colossus. I got a lot of shadow mm-hmm.
1: of Colossus in this movie too. So like, there's yeah. definitely that, Because yeah. I was hoping he, they would, they would start climbing that big bastard at the end and like start hacking at it. So like, this would be cool. <laughs> like let's do anime battle time. Like, Where's Megazord? I was kind of expecting something <laughs> crazy,
2: something yeah. to like rise up out of the ruins of Ironworks yeah. that was like hiding underneath it or some shit.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> some ancient like like nondescript armor that they didn't bring up before, ever, 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 and yeah, now it's... it's gonna fight this giant thing because yeah. hey, man, we're gonna have kaiju. We may as well have a giant robot that can fight the kaiju. Like, let's do mm-hmm. this thing.
0: Yeah, but I like the way that Ashitaka was just kind of like, "Well, I'm in this situation now, somehow." And I'm just gonna like do my best. He like he's separate from the club, and once he gets involved in it, like he, I think that he he does a good job of kind of like understanding both Iboshi and San. But he clearly picks a side in the end because, like you know, he kind of has a thing for San.
2: But which is that like? Does that seem forced to you guys at all? Like it seemed like bit. one of those really like rushed romances, like you know, love at first sight kind of situations.
1: A little bit. In these kind of fantasy movies, that that yeah. shit just. No, like it doesn't feel forced yeah. to me because they always feel forced. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, the yeah. Of these movies basically is like, oh, these the two, the young couple, like the the noble knight and the whatever, like mysterious princess. Yeah, the, the yeah. mysterious princess, whether she be like the rebel princess, like Leia, or like being the aunt, the wolf girl, like this, like whatever trope they're gonna pull from. These two characters are gonna like meet and immediately have some mystical, cosmic bond. Could they? And, mm-hmm. And yeah. be al- and be in love immediately, and it's like that's the trope. So yeah, all right.
0: Like I, I feel like they do a little bit more to establish a relationship than a lot of these movies do. Like she like saves his life and sucks out the bullet from him, stuff like that. And she got the blood, got she tasted his blood, on, all sucks stuff. out the poison, sucks out the poison. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I guess it's still a little bit forced but it's less forced than usual so in my same as mark it's like is such a common thing that it was almost refreshing to see that they actually at least attempted to establish a connection between the two of them but yes it was very quick in spite of the fact that this movie certainly takes its time with everything else it did not do its best
1: with that yeah, yeah that's the funny part too right like so languidly paced for the most part but like this one part where they're like we have like two hours and 15 minutes worth of screen time and we're more interested in how awesome our artists are, which yeah, can be showing fair?
2: showing a long panning shot of this background rather yeah. than yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, been, like developing that story, which is kind of the crux of the movie, really, because like <laughs> yeah. it feels like they kind of survive because of their love for each other, right? Like everybody yeah. else in that scenario dies, and it's their connection or whatever. connection yeah. that kind yeah. of saves them or whatever. So,
0: well, having choosing to have Son as like a pretty like stoic. Very, almost monosyllabic character prevented them kind of from having a conversation between the two of them that like might've revealed something that would have led to a connection because you know, like, cause all of their love seems to result from these like dangerous situations that they're thrust into together, as opposed to like who they are as people. Although they do often show who they are as people through those actions. It still feels like a lot of chaos.
2: Yeah, they just—they just need one of those, uh, like Little Mermaid style Prince Eric and Ariel uh, montage scenes.
0: Yeah, a little montage, you know, <laughs> you know. Have the dog playing around though, but yeah, cool.
2: Place here at all? <laughs> no, yeah.
1: I was actually thinking, like, uh, there's because there's certain scenes that are just like viciously gory and violent in this movie. Yeah, and I was like, part of it—it it felt like it does have certain aspects to it that feel Disney-esque. So there are occasions, like, when he gets into the Ironworks and the women are working, where, like, in a Disney movie, I'm, like, I could see where they would just break into a song. And they kind of do.
2: Hi-ho! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, where they would just
1: break into that whole bit. Or, like, the first time he sweeps out into the, like, out of his camp, the original encampment, and, like, gets out to the west and sees, like, the big vista and stuff like that. That's totally the point where, like, you would have in the Disney movie he would start singing or like the horse would be singing to him about how awesome the outside world is or whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God.
0: If Yakul ever started talking in this yeah. movie, I
1: never would have recommended it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it I, was... yeah. So like that, they, there's that kind of stuff where I was like, I could, it's like, it's almost like an anti Disney movie, which is probably why I kind of was like into it a little bit. Cause I'm like, Ooh. I could see where you could totally go down the Disney road at every point in this movie. And they, they're just like, fuck that. Look how great our artists are. And yeah. me as a visual artist, I was just like, actually, you know what? I prefer this a lot more than like having to listen to some, I don't even know, like Phil Collins pop song or whatever. Right.
0: Well, we can talk about the music later because like Ghibli oh, the music is, beautiful, is man. Yeah. so beautiful. And that's, I think, kind of like Miyazaki's kind of. I think that Miyazaki takes a lot from Disney and loves Disney, but also looks at Disney as a very kind of, like... Safe kind of enterprise compared to what he And doing. a very American, like, a kind of a two-in-your-face yeah. enterprise. Like, Ghibli can do, like, big rising action, and, like, those Ghibli climaxes that they tend to have are, like, these uh, big, like, emotional realizations for the character. So they feel a little bit, like, less epic, but more earned. Although with this movie, it's like, there's so much going on that like the climax of the movie does feel like, holy shit, what the fuck? But we'll get
3: there.
1: Well, the whole story is like, as it culminates and they add layers onto it, it does eventually kind of get to be like, wow, there's a lot of fucking shit that I need to be keeping track of in this story. A lot of moving parts. (laughs) Yeah. And there's moving parts that involve backstory that I'm not obviously 100% like talking animals and like like, the animal gods and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, why do some of them talk and yeah, some of I'm them don't? Yeah, I'm just supposed to
2: buy into this and, like, yeah, I'm just supposed to accept some, this. Clearly there yeah. are some assumed rules here that I have not yeah. been given ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I'm like, I, I really, I feel like I should bitch about this, but at the same time, it's like somebody walked into Endgame, you know what I mean, and they yeah. never saw any of the other Marvel movies, and that's basically what they were doing, and I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, I'm walking into something that I don't have the cultural background to 100% dissect the way, like, I could have sat down in Endgame without having Ooh. seen any of the other 19, 23, whatever-the-fuck Marvel movies, and I would have been fine. I would have been really annoyed that I didn't know that those other 22 movies existed, but I would have been <laughs> able to follow what was going on. Whereas this, it's like like you're, you're given all the information you need by context and all that stuff, but there is a lot of assumptions that are made about your background knowledge of it that mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't have as a Western viewer, I guess, because I, I don't steep yeah. myself in anime. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and that doesn't just go for the folklore but like the gender politics within the story too where like they're very japanese gender politics yeah some of those cr- are cross humanity you know like women taking on industrial roles when men are off doing war and things like that and then men feeling emasculated or out of place when women dominate the workforce and stuff like that but a lot of it the way that Iboshi takes command is very particularly Japanese because of the way that she has to kind of portray herself as both like Geisha and Shogun at the same time. It's like, there's a lot going on and like, we do lack the cultural shorthand maybe to like make those connections as easily as a Japanese viewer would for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Iboshi, she was my favorite character in the movie because she was like very morally ambiguous. Like she was clearly pretty evil from the get-go, like, they've got her... Visually, she's pretty striking as a villainess. But I like that a lot of her ambition came from a desire to make sure that her, her girls were protected. I think the movie does a pretty good job of not making us fully hate her. And to kind of understand her perspective, even though her, she ultimately, like, leans a little too heavily
1: on, like, the villainous side of things. Can you explain one thing to me? I'm, I think I missed a plot point with her, where mm. she seems very honorable, and to the point where the monk character, I guess he blackmails her into helping hunt down the the deer god. Like, mm. th- is there any reason why she would just go do that? It, it's kind of.
2: I think he convinces her that like the forest god's blood will save the lepers or some shit. Oh, yeah. is that what he says?
1: Okay, I I, I must have like tuned out for half a second because i was like i really sat down and tried to watch this like just subs and sat there and watched it but there was like that little mini part where my brain i think i got a text message and like yeah shit what did i miss kind of thing and then, yeah, like, yeah yeah um, that's right
0: yeah. yeah it's kind of like more to go along with the, like the whole concept of human consumption like we need to kill this dear god so we can use the healing powers to save the lepers that are in the colony and things like that and it's failing to see the other bigger picture in terms of the environment, when you're trying to like sustain the lives of how many other people in Iron Town and stuff. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Know. I just,
1: it, I just thought it was interesting that like she, uh, it didn't seem like it would be something that was a priority to her, and then all of a sudden she's out there like, "We're gonna kill a god," and I'm like, "Why does she want yeah. to?"
0: Well, she also wants to kill the forest god so that like because it would disempower the other demons and sure. would prevent them for her overall plan. It only makes sense to do that, I guess. It wasn't
2: super clear.
1: Yeah, I think (laughs) it just didn't track to me while I was sitting there watching it. Like, why would she suddenly decide, like, I'm going to go follow this weird random monk guy who she's never met before, really? She good, that's right. And I'm like, okay, cool. I just, I missed something, I guess. Mm. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: but overall, like, I bought her motivations. Like, I didn't agree with all of them. And obviously, like, she was, trade as mostly in the wrong. But, like, I was like, yeah, she's just doing her best by the people that you know i guess support her burgeoning empire i guess
2: yeah they do a good job of sort of setting her up as doing you know the wrong things for the mostly the right reasons clearly she also has just some straight up fucking like ambition and and power hunger kind of thing as well but yeah that's that's not all of it
0: yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah Which is refreshing because
0: it's like most, like her as a female villain in an animated film, we are certainly used to like Ferris of the Mall bullshit where it's like, and her motivations were a lot more complex and interesting to watch than the evil queen in Snow White or
2: whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to think sort of what you guys think about her sort of depiction. And this might, again, be sort of a Japanese cultural thing, but like basically the sort of most put together and kind of professional woman is the one that is essentially framed as the villain. And, mm-hmm. is the, and I imagine that has something to do with sort of the way that the Japanese culture historically has viewed women that you know seek power and seek their own ambition and want to become successful independent of a man uh i mean there's definitely like there is a that happening
0: i think for sure i mean the the fact that she is so perfectly put together like aesthetically they have to be like women in business in north america like feel that pressure as well but like there's like a a presumption of perfection with women in business while even though they have to maintain this level of beauty and polish they're still not taken nearly as seriously and so like any woman who like is striving in every culture seems to be vilified whether you're talking a Tyler Perry movie which he really hates women who are ambitious
3: (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) to
0: you know like Pretty much every Disney villainous, like, there's always that.
2: No, like, I'm thinking here, you look at, like, Yzma or, like, Cruella Deville. Like, those aren't necessarily characters. You know, they're kind of, like, disheveled, a little, like, crazy, loopy mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I don't necessarily see the, the parallels on the Disney side of things as much.
0: Well, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, the Evil Queen and... True, yeah. Like, Ur- and Ursula needing to, like, or... yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Yzma is is an kit comedy character, so I don't know <laughs> if, like, that's the... But I see your point with, like, Cruella DeVille. Well, even though, but Cruella DeVille is, like, still, like, a fashionista. She still needs to look put together. The whole idea of the story is, like, she's vill- villainous so she can be the most put together. She can get that Dalmatian skin coat. Like, you go, girl. <laughs> you uh, whatever but like
2: i don't know it's just an interesting dynamic and then you play that against like the the other female characters that are basically former like prostitutes and stuff like that working class and they're framed to be a lot more approachable and and you know they're they're framed to be a lot more likable as characters
0: yeah and especially son who's like doesn't seem particularly likable but like the movie tends to side with because she's like very innocent and naturalistic and mm-hmm girlish and stuff like that and i think there's always going to be like until we like continuously break down the trope there's always going to be these tropes of women who are meticulously put together as seen as cold or villainous or inhuman in some way
1: it kind of swings both ways though because like look at most of the depictions where you see lucifer like he's the suave like that's how they put villains together now like the corporate Suave put together, dude, is also always the villain now, right? Like mm-hmm. you can see. I mean, except for Tony Stark, I guess. I mean, sometimes, but he, you, know, you can argue this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
0: that. It's just it, the way that she is framed, particularly in this movie, is that there is like something about her wealth and decadence and her image that feels like it is like overly consumptive. It reflects the root of the problem of what like this eco narrative is and so yeah. her her desire to take from the earth and expand her empire and the image that she presents as this like super tough business lady ruler who's meticulously put together is such in stark contrast to san whose like wild naturalisticness is portrayed as the good side of things that mm-hmm. like yeah i can see it's complicated because I still don't think that Lady Iboshi is fully evil. But no, no,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, let's talk about Jigo. I find him annoying, or Jikobo is his name in Japanese. I watched a little bit. Um, like my video file had dual audio, so I switched over to the Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> vocal <laughs> track for a little bit. I was like, "What the fuck is It's happening? really
3: terrible. Really, truly yeah.
0: really terrible. But I like that he was kind of like an agent of chaos. He he seemed to know the rules
2: of the world, but at the same time was very like mischievous, and yeah, he's he's a little like along. manipulator, right? Like he's you know the little devil on the shoulder, sort of whispering in people's ears and mm. and trying to sort of you know swing things his way, but not from a position of power,
1: kind of thing. Yeah, very Shakespearean. I feel like this character exists in every anime Paul's ever put me in front of, like the mm. the kind of greasy manipulator guy. Like he seems to be in every single one you put me in front of. And oh, maybe sure. <laughs> that's just, if that's just a. You like that trope, or it's just like when it, that's anime a common trope that in
0: that this trope. Movie. Yeah,
1: or anime just really likes that trope because yeah. I think it does. Like I, I feel like that's a trope that comes up a lot. Yeah, but. and it might
0: just be selection bias because the, the the anime that I tend to put you in front of tends to maybe have a, more of a need for that particular type of character. Like I think there's a character like that that exists in vampire hunter d bloodlust maybe vampire hunter d like the his his hand anyway um yeah that is but that character is a common trope in a lot of anime for sure where yeah. he's just kind of a less powerful character overall but like trying to make plays he's a little finger almost yeah but like yeah. on a slightly smaller scale
1: yeah well Littlefinger apparently was pretty small-scale, too. Well, if you're you're just watching the
0: TV show, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I found him. I mean, I know that this is probably another one of those sort of visual shorthand things, but it's always that character archetype, like the sort of grotesque, like really wide-head, giant fucking ward or whatever kind of thing is always a character that I have trouble buying into and it's it's just it's one of those things that breaks immersion for me like i can't fucking take this seriously when you're gonna put this guy in front of me and tell me that i'm supposed to fucking believe that he's a real character
0: yeah because he's the only one who's like that grotesque besides maybe the old lady in the village at the beginning of the movie but i see your point for sure where it's like there he's so far down the like Almost fantasy character design road.
1: He looks like Hoggle from yeah, Labyrinth. I was, yeah. I was just thinking he looks like something out of a Jim Henson production. Yeah. 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 I get you.
0: I do not disagree with you on that. I do find his character design to be like, and because he's ugly, he almost has to be duplicitous. Like it's a. I, yeah. I don't appreciate, like, I don't love like ugliness Maybe as shorthand. original shorthand. Like yeah. I, I think that if it serves a bigger purpose like it does with Iboshi, to like really speak volumes about her character and the kind of situation that she's in but he's just like ugly and manipulative because he's ugly and manipulative and it's just kind of like well and he's supposed to be kind of a gag character in some scenes so him being like looking like that but having his physical capabilities and stuff is supposed Mm -hmm. to be like this kind of jarring dichotomy and it really yeah I can see how it takes you out (laughs) I can see that.
2: And there's other parts of that as well. Like the whole anime aesthetic in particular with human characters tends to just, I won't say off put me, but it, I have, it makes it more difficult for me to buy into these stories sometimes. And the other one, like, especially when you get sort of the, the really exaggerated features, the other ones in here that kind of are pretty archetypal would be. I mean the giant anime eyes on everybody for sure but like also those kind of oafish male characters mm. in Iron Town that sort of all anime seem to have like where they're just they're on they're out of pubs yeah, yeah yeah exactly there's they're all drinking. These incompetent idiots kind of thing yeah and-
0: kind of like every and they're in every bar scene and they're always the ones that form a mob against the protagonist for some reason or another
2: and they've got like a shitty really thin mustache or something yeah. and yeah. I totally
1: felt like i was about to get into a brawl with a local in a zelda game basically yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? like this guy's gonna mouth off and he's gonna say he can't like, he can outrun Link or whatever bullshit yeah. thing that I need to do to get that heart piece or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I got to find a picture of his fucking dead wife or something like that or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing that's going to happen eventually. But, like, yeah, it, that those characters exist in these worlds all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, to be fair, like, we in the West also have our stock characters,
2: too. Oh, absolutely. So, like,
0: yeah. I guess if you have a a smaller we've grown up with them
2: election. so we kind yeah of, exactly like, if, I, if i see this guy i know that you know this this is this type of character and he's gonna try and do something like this or whatever yeah and it's not like we
1: don't call it out when we see it in our in the movies yeah. like when right movies right, right. anyway yeah. like we're always calling out like oh jesus this fucking trope with like that guy like you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah so
2: the fat awkward guy or like yeah yeah
0: yeah I would love for there to be, like, finally a subversion of this trope, where, like, the new, the protagonist enters the new town, and instead of them, like, suspiciously, like, coming for him, they're just, like, celebrating him, it's like, hey, we have a stranger, isn't this wonderful, hey, look, everybody, because, yeah. like, that yeah, would... See,
1: that would immediately be, like, I'd be, like, he's ripping off Robert E. Howard at that point, because they did that in Conan all the time, and then oh, eventually yeah. he fucks it up, you know what I mean, like, the, he becomes the drunken idiot who starts a fight and ends up in jail with nothing so that his new adventure can start, or whatever. Uh, yeah, fair. So I'd go. I'd be like, "Well, wait. Now we're doing Robert E. Howard tropes instead of standard anime tropes. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Actually, I'd probably enjoy that a lot more because I could go for a good Conan animated movie that's fucking as violent as this is. Yes. Um, just <laughs> yeah. Get a Japanese studio to do a Conan anime. Why? Wait. Oh shit. We need to write. Start writing letters, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Miyazaki is already working on something, so I don't know. I but, don't need like... Miyazaki to do it. I just need somebody who can like. A bunch of animators who work like that, like yeah. ape, well.
2: ape is
0: style. Yeah,
1: yeah. basically, because like I'd watch that. Yeah, you'd watch that. So I'd watch that.
0: Yeah. So I want to wrap up. So let's uh, talk about the ending because there's a lot
1: happening. So the deer god gets decapitated. First of all, the deer god design. There sometimes they they have weird god art. It's fucking horrifying and stuff, and it, it is, is terrifying. Like it is really <laughs> creepy looking. And I was like, I'm kind of glad it got decapitated because that thing was a monster.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, was... I can look at its body just fine, but its head yeah. I don't want to look at. As its soon as I saw the face, way. I was
1: like, I need it to die. Like it nope. needs to die. <laughs> <That's
0: right>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. it's pretty creepy as hell. And then, um, yeah, we I get think our giant
1: boars were less off-putting than that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, I, yeah. and all I'm seeing with there is Ganon. I'm just like, Jesus, kill it because it's Ganondorf. Like we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, yeah. and we get a bit of a
0: Nakira. Gynax ending with like a giant ethereal
1: monsters like kaiju basically like emerging
0: from the deer god
1: hence like why i was waiting for like the ironworks to fucking transform into a zord or a uh, whatever you would call like a voltron i guess kind of
0: i would love to see that with like with the like bamboo (laughs) shoots and the hay bales and like
1: If you if you really want to see that, you need to watch Batman Ninja because that shit actually <laughs> happens in Batman uh, Ninja, and it's as ridiculous as it sounds. So it is.
2: It's okay. so fucking stupid. I'm actually
1: surprised we didn't review that at some point. Or really, have a I, I couldn't finish about it. That. I could couldn't you? finish okay. it. Okay, I sat through the whole thing, but uh, I was more out of incredulity than anything else <laughs> when I was sitting there. I
2: was like, you're just so dumbstruck you couldn't fucking hit stop. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I have to see
1: how this ends because this makes no. <laughs> No logical sense whatsoever. But anyway.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So Ashitaka and San deliver the head back to the deer god, which quells its rage. And then there's no more supernatural things in the forest anymore. And Lady Eboshi kind of learns her lesson. So it kind of this is an eco fairy tale. Like, it's definitely like a let's not fuck up our environment kind of story. Yeah.
2: Live in harmony with nature. Yeah. Don't kill gods. Don't kill gods.
0: Yeah, definitely don't do that. <laughs> I liked this ending, but it's very much a... It's a very Japanese Ghibli Gainax kind of ending where it leaves everything open, and it doesn't feel... It feels like there was a climax, but it
2: doesn't necessarily no
0: resolve anything. There's, yeah, there's no There's
2: no it. denouement <laughs> yeah. after the climax.
0: Yeah, things are just kind of like, well, this is what the world is now. So... Yeah. And I like that, but, like, as a traditional Western moviegoer, when I first watched this movie, I was like, what? Because I was, when this came out, I was, like, 12 or 13 years old when I, like, downloaded it. And, like, and when it came out in North America and I watched the dub version, I was still kind of, like, I was 15, 16, and I was still like, what?
1: Like, (laughs) there's got to be more, right? I remember watching it the first time, and it must have been an art school thing. Like, I must have had to watch it for school or something because I watched it early on. And I remember thinking, like man why is this movie 2 hours and 15 minutes long if that's what your conclusion is like
0: and i think that 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 but that makes kind of a weird sense because that languid pacing in the living in like things don't just conclude and have yeah. closure and then you live with your consequences and yeah. that's basically just kind of what
1: happens is that they so the, he's healed at the end, right? Like, he's, yeah. he doesn't have any starring left. So he just gets to live his life as like Sans booty call, I guess. Like, sure. Quasi booty call. I mean, fair enough. Good for him. I hope she like <laughs> bathes on a regular basis living out in the forest, though, because
2: yeah, I'm sure that, that magic lake water that apparently heals wounds and does not at all give you gangrene. Yeah. Uh, yes, I
1: did notice that uh, that <laughs> water is quite rejuvenating to those people. Nobody else yeah. seemed to notice, though. Like, they all just kind of like, "Oh, no, the water just healed us." That's that we were expecting that. Oh. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's there's there's just a lot of that where it's like, "Oh yeah, the water heals people." It's like, wait, why? Why? I, I don't know. Oh,
1: it's it's one of those things where I'm like, "Oh, is that a trope of Japanese animation that has translated to video games?" Because yeah. like that's a video game trope where like you jump yeah. in a pool of water in Zelda and like you get your health back, and it's like, how? Like, I know jumping in water feels good and stuff, but, like...
2: No, only, like, you. only like know, hot springs. Right. Uh, oh, or, yeah, or, or, okay, Or yeah. fairy
1: fountains. Fair. But, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, it's a suspension of disbelief thing, because, like, there's so many supernatural things happening in the forest that, like, a healing pool, just a healing more. spring just seems...
1: Yeah. It's just like, okay, why not? <laughs> well, like, when, when it started happening, I didn't really question it, because I was like, yeah, everything's crazy in this world. Like, there's weird magic Korok guys. Yeah. Are, why what the are fuck they not? yeah uh
2: kodora kodama
1: kodama Kodama. yeah not koroks they look like koroks though
2: they do and they they rattle like koroks yes which again that makes me think that like those might be some you know part of japanese folklore or something like that that, they're they're they're, they're
0: tree spirits they've been around for yeah in classic art they're kind of like they're like dryads in uh, greek mythology
1: Yeah, they come up in uh, like supernatural stuff all the time. Like when you do, like if you watch whatever like weird YouTube channels about like ghost stories in Japan, the little forest fairies, sprites, or something. Yeah, sprites come up all the time. Hmm. Like kids and some stories and other stories, they help people. And it's like whoever said our
2: podcast wasn't educational.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think most of this is just me making bullshit up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody fact check us
1: yeah, don't fuck, please don't. I don't I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about right
0: now. Right. <laughs> all right. So yeah, shall we wrap up and uh, yep. give our final thoughts, Tim, what are your final thoughts overall? Give us a rating.
2: We didn't really ever get to talk about the score, but but the score is probably my favorite part okay. of this movie without the mandatory schmaltzy anime piano songs. Um, but like the score here, I would go back to for sure and like put it on in the background while I work kind of thing. It's fucking beautiful. Movie looks amazing, really well animated, especially like the the animals, the gods, those sorts of things look so fucking good. There is lots of iconic imagery here, like Mononoke with her mask, like the boars, the humans wearing the boar skin and everything. Mm-hmm. All look so fucking good. Ultimately, this comes down to a case of style over substance for me because I just don't get a lot out of this story wise. I like I said, I think a part of that is, is just cultural shortcomings or whatever you want to call it on my part just not really being able to buy into the cultural and, and visual shorthands that are related to anime in general. So, I don't know, if I'm giving this a rating out of 10, I guess I'm, I'd go like 7 out of 10. It's not a miyazaki like ghibli movie that i necessarily would go back to on a even semi-regular basis like i have much fonder memories of like howl's moving castle and like spirited away than i do mm-hmm. this yeah spirited away being the other movie that
0: i considered for our review but yeah want to go for something a little different all right mark final thoughts
1: i like this movie like as a like the visual artist on the group i definitely like that's what I was sitting there watching the whole time. It's just like, I love the animation and I love like the background paintings are beautiful and detailed. And it's like, it's just a masterclass in traditional 2d cell animation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. so in terms of that, absolutely go take a look at this. like for the story. I, I <laughs> dug it because like, it just, it had that, it just reminded me of breath of the wild. It had that kind of Japanese feudal vibe that I like in moderation. This is not, Again, it's a sword and sorcery thing. Right? Like, I'm not generally into sword and sorcery stuff, so just transplanting that to Japan doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for me 100. percent Because now I've got to jump that cultural divide on top of everything else. So, like, usually my anime, like my anime preference, like the one that I like the most that Paul's ever put me in front of, like I still like Akira the best. Like, that's my favorite one. But yeah, I like really cyber like and the tech yeah. stuff, right? So that's more my like goes in the shell or the one Blade that Runner I- anime. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like Blade Runner anime for me, like that works perfectly for me. And anime does such a good job of invoking that tone that I, that's the kind of stuff that I usually go for. Yeah. For this one, though, like I like it. It's just like, it's one of those like artsy indulgence pieces for me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to sit here and listen to beautiful music and follow this meandry plot while it does its thing. <laughs> but really, I'm just here to watch like the visuals of it because it's just so pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really like a nice like HDR 4K rip of it because i think it would look nice Mm -hmm. be ripped like all those paintings are probably would probably look great up res from even where they are now on blu-ray so there you go
0: yeah all right
1: um i I should give give it a number rating rating. right i'll say 8.5 out of 10 like it's not like a 10 out of 10 but it's definitely like i enjoy this a lot yeah and i recommend it to other people if they're ever like hey i've never seen an anime before i'd be like i i would recommend akita but i would this one is fine also yeah if you like sword and sorcery more than you like cyberpunk
0: i guess uh nice thank you all right so my final thoughts is that you know i've i kind of grew up with this movie like what as it came out like i've been following ghibli for as long as i've known that anime exists
1: pretty much i remember buying you that your first like i think i bought you your dvd copy of this not blu-ray but like the first copy you got a yeah. christmas gift from me to you yeah you asked me to get you mononoke so that was a long time ago
0: <laughs> yeah as the anime fan in the group i probably like i was more in the bag for like anything ghibli overall and i just like i love this movie a lot i love the aesthetic i love the the parable i love the characters i just like it's a movie that i really like just to sit in and enjoy like you guys do but i do actually like the story quite a lot as well that being said, it's not my favorite Ghibli movie, and there are others that I might recommend first before I recommend this one, but this one like, has a special place in my heart because I think it's one of the few times they tried and succeeded at making a more adult narrative. Whilst the themes are still things that children could understand, it's definitely not a movie for kids, just visual, like the amount of gore is enough to show you that, but like some of the themes that they talk about are a lot more high level. So I
1: don't think any kid would be able to get through the pacing of the first half of this movie. Like like, what the fuck is going on Um, and be screaming at you. So yeah, I don't, like it's one of those, like, yeah, it's not for kids. Like, no, just because it's a cartoon, like
0: exactly. Animation is not by default a children's like thing. And it back
1: when I wish that was true over here more yeah because,
2: yeah well like, heavy metal what came out 25 years ago
1: yeah but like that's but but that's like that's ghetto you know what i mean like because that's yeah. basically considered smut yeah it's basically pornography yeah to most people you know what i mean and so, well i mean yeah <laughs> i mean i don't care but like regular people care for some reason
0: yeah that whatever i'm still gonna watch my japanese cartoons and all that stuff and i give uh mononoke a nine out of ten it does have some issues and like uh, like Spirited Away, not House in the Living Castle, clearly for me, but Whisper of the Heart, Kiki's Delivery Service are all things I might recommend from Ghibli before I recommend this. But it has aged incredibly well, considering like modern anime has integrated hand-drawn style with a lot more
1: CGI. I was looking for CGI shots and I only saw like maybe two, like some yeah. zoom shots were very clearly CGI, but other than that, it's very absent. In this,
2: apparently, some of the uh, the curse stuff, like the the tentacly stuff, was kind of yeah, 3D rendered
1: and imposed. Yeah, that on, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like some of it look. I mean, it's clearly rotoscoped and stuff like that. They're they're clearly using animation reference to get their keyframes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. I have no problem with that because I fucking basically that's all I do now is reference like high high reference work kind of stuff.
0: So yeah, but I think we can all agree that it's a gorgeous film. Like oh yeah, man, it's like it's all one right. of
1: the best uh, animated. It's one of the best looking animated movies I've ever sat in front of in my mm-hmm. life, and mm-hmm. I, that's what I I love, watch just watching animation because like that's my thing. So this is like absolutely like my favorite animated movie in terms of just like, a hundred percent two D hand drawn animation. This is the best looking thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, with that being said, let's move on to our final segment, which is our geek cred, where we recommend something geeky and something that from past or something that we're enjoying now. So, uh, Tim, what's your geek cred this week?
2: My geek cred is a little bit out of character for me, but uh, was something that was recommended to me by multiple people and wasn't that long. So I dove into it and definitely sort of devoured it. It's uh, the Netflix documentary Don't Fuck With Cats which is about I I don't want to spoil too much, but it's basically about all starts with, uh, you know, fucking trigger warning for anybody that has issues with like like animal abuse but uh guy that posts like a horrible video about some shit that he does to a couple of kittens and then the internet just fucking descending upon him and trying to determine like who he is where he did this like where he filmed it all that kind of stuff and so it's like hardcore internet sleuthing and then it just gets fucking crazier and crazier as things go on so it's definitely one of those things that once you start watching, you will just want to watch all the way through.
1: Cool. cool. So, yeah, I saw something about it on Reddit and I wanted to like take a look at it, but I, yeah. I didn't have a chance to or didn't take the time this week to do that.
2: So. And a lot of it takes place in, you know, it's all real life events that took place in like the early 20, the early teens, uh, like 2011 or something like that. And a lot of it in like the uh, Toronto area, like Scarborough and shit like yeah. that. So yeah which is why I,
1: I heard about a, a bunch about it and wanted to take a look at it. Um, yeah, uh, Mark, what's your cred this week? Follow me on Instagram, MT underscore Willett. I'm just going to use this as my <laughs> pimp spot. Also, I'm doing a show. I'll be at Kitchener Comic Con at the end of the month, so the weekend that Paul comes back, <laughs> I won't be around because I'm going to be in Kitchener <laughs> all weekend doing a two-day con there. That's February 29th, the weekend of February 29th. The weekend before that, if you're a St. Catherine's or general area listener, I'm doing a show at Matai on St. Paul Street downtown, just doing like the friends and family haven't seen my art so here's a show come buy some stuff thing i posted on the facebook page um, you're all invited please come buy shit from me that would be much appreciated yeah. um,
2: i would so. be there if i was not still going to be in yeah. fucking idiot land
1: yeah Ruby. well i i managed to do this before it's so like the weekend before paul comes home and before you come home so <laughs> well done
2: well Good done job. but yeah. we've got
1: con we'll have cons to hang out and do this kind of stuff at all summer kind of thing yeah. so yeah Yeah, yeah, I think Matthew Fab commented on something in the last couple days. It might have been my event when I shared it to Dance Robot Dances page that he wanted to come up. But yeah, we will probably be at cons all summer, and I assume the boys are going to be at some of them anyway, just to hang out and do some con action, so yes indeed um yeah yeah, other than that go follow me on instagram because i need those follows need them clicks click 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 so yeah
0: go 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 do that my geek cred this week is Smash brothers ultimate just go play it because like i've now that i've unlocked all the characters like there's just like a lot of variety in just the way that you can fight now like smash brothers does seem really shallow but like, it's actually got a lot going for it. I don't know. There's a bunch of fucking strategy and
2: shit involved. Oh yeah.
1: Well, I guess I keep saying, guys, it gets played at Evo. It can't be like yeah. dog shit strategy. There's got to be tech involved somewhere along. Yeah. The way. Well, I was actually going to ask. My question was like, I have bought, I bought the Smash Ultimate collection when it came out. I've never even booted the software up, and I know now. Now both of you guys are playing it. Do I need to get good at this game so that? We can play together, and I can dominate you guys. Is that? Let's well, do I'm
2: terrible, so you don't need to get good to beat me. All yeah. right, fair
1: <laughs> I've always like wanted to like get into Smash a little bit more. I've never had like an like I don't have. I've never had like friends that played, so I had no real reason to. Whereas well, like yeah, well, I'm gonna be playing a lot more now that I've
0: got all my characters unlocked, and now I have to select one character out of these characters to be my main. So well, that's uh, the
1: problem, right? Like then it's like you got to unlock everybody, and then you got to go pick a main, and I'm like, who do I want to main? Wait, is Ryu in this game? Can I? Yes, can I he move? is. Oh, Ryu and yeah. Ken. Oh, I'm yeah. reading Ryu. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Hadou-
2: Hadouken all over this bitch.
1: Goddamn yeah. right. And
2: all so, right.
3: There you
2: go. All right, guys. That seems to wrap things up. Oh, You should be able to play as the fucking like car that they beat the shit out of in Street Fighter. So you can do like, <laughs> Ryu versus the car. That
3: would <laughs> be awesome. awesome.
2: <laughs> all right. Thanks,
0: everyone, for listening to us drone on about anime. <laughs> if you haven't already, please subscribe, uh, which you can do via whichever podcasting app you prefer. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you thought about Princess Mononoke. What do you think about Ghibli? Are you excited to have them at your fingertips on Netflix? Or are you in the States and getting screwed over by that? If you want to talk to <laughs> us, drop us a line on facebook.com slash on Twitter at drdpodcast or email us at dance at gmail.com. I've been Paul. Say
3: goodnight, Tim. Good night, everybody. And say goodnight, Mark. Good night, guys. And that's our show. Have a good one.